0: Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do.
1: But he said, I can take you to the very tree that came as a consequence of this seed or this, you know, nut falling to the ground and dying and perishing. He said, you see what perished. He said, but I see what come alive, you know, as a consequence. So, I mean, we, from an actual perspective, see something as dying as the end, but in the realm the kingdom realm, God sees something that dies as a means to the beginning uh, because that is ultimately what we believe in is the resurrection life of the, the Christian through Christ. Because Christ was resurrected, the self same Spirit that raised Him from the dead has also quickened my mortal body, which means that it has given vitality to this old flesh, this old body. I don't believe that that we understand the uh, the. The, the great importance of knowing that I have been born again do, do, I mean there, I was in a conversation yesterday and I said I've been saved for years but I've just recently been born again because I know now and I see my perspective has changed that again if any man be in Christ he is a new creature Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I believe that in that moment, that the old nature of my carnality was crucified. And that I have risen again in the likeness and the image as much as I've ever been in Christ. Now, here's the the thing about that. I said that I shared with you a thing it was Wednesday that I don't believe... That, that scripture, or even in the context that Paul was using it, that it pertains solely to salvation. I believe that it pertains to salvation, and then furthermore, it pertains to recreation. And we've got to understand that we break the word recreation down as recreation. So what I believe is that in that moment when I come into Christ and I come into the resurrection life of Jesus... And I am then born again just as the seed, the wheat the, uh, of corn or the, the however, the corn star, the wheat of corn, excuse me, falls to the ground yet dies, but then it becomes something else. It becomes a new creature or creation. So I believe that when we step into this reality of in Christ, because if any man be in Christ, He is a new creature. I believe that it's progressional. I believe that it's continual. I believe that our progression into the image or being image bearers of Christ never stops until we are completely fulfilled in the image of Christ. And that is when we are physically face to face with Jesus. Okay, so you've got to understand that there's a point of, I believe, transformation. Transformation or tra- or restorational transformation, okay? It's the, at that point when I come into Christ, into Christ, which means that there is something physical that I come into, which is, I believe, the presence and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in that moment, something begins to happen inside of the Christian being. And I really believe that there is a separation that begins to take place. I believe that when we come into that moment of recreational restoration and transformation to when Jesus, in Jesus, we start to become a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are becoming new. I believe that there is distance that is being obtained. Because you've got to understand that over here was the old man. And then over here to my right is the new man. And in the middle is the uh, is the equal medium or whatever. This is the starting point. Okay? So I believe what happens is if you could imagine like maybe two walls coming together. And if I had the ability to push them apart, the further that I push them apart because well, all things are passing away. All things are passing away. But all things are becoming new. There is a push that begins to happen. And I believe that the hands of God begins to push the old nature so far away from the new nature that you then become I mean, see, see what I'm saying? The further I get away from the the old man, the closer I get to the new man, and the closer I get to the new man, the closer I get to imaging forth Jesus. So there is something that has listen, now I believe that there's there's we could Define this as sanctification. I'm being sanctified is a process in which I have to go through that I may appear as much like Jesus as I was intended to look like Him. So, in that scripture, there's something that is continually taking place. I believe that's significant why He says if any man is in Christ, is, which is indicative of the present tense, and then all faith are, and All things are being made new. So there are literally means that. I believe that it is the process. Okay, we could go into some English and some grammar here, but, you know, we see them here nor there. We we have to look at that. He said all things are being made new, which means that they are in the process, and it is progressively uh, happening and taking place continually. Okay, most people only see that scripture as salvationally. Which means that, oh, I'm saved now and there's nothing else that needs to take place. That's not the issue here. Because he does not save you only from hell. He saves you from hell, saves you there for the kingdom. And he 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 wants us to understand that there is a pursuit in this progressive process. And see, here's what happens. Sometimes I'm stuck in the middle. And I want to look over here to the old man. And then I want to peer over here to the new man. And I don't make up my mind which one I want to look the most like. We really need to make the conscious decision that says, I want to look like Jesus, so much like Jesus... That the essence of creation cannot tell me apart from Jesus. You've heard me say this before. I want to walk in such a presence with Jesus that when I walk into a fast food restaurant or a grocery store or wherever it may be, that the entities that be and the powers that be, you know, spiritual weakness in heavenly places and all of that. Begins to tremble because they cannot distinguish whether or not that's the footsteps of Pastor Sin or if that's the footsteps of the Son of God. Because I walk with the same gate that he walks with and I walk at the same pace that he walks with and I begin to smell like Jesus and I begin to sound like Jesus and I use the same language as Jesus uses. And they understand that there's a power and authority that begins to walk in a man that is in Christ Jesus and is being separated further away from the old man and being united closer in proximity with the new man. And the new man is Jesus. Amen. So we've got to understand that you literally, once you die, have to make a conscious die to self. You have to make a conscious decision From that point forward, what self is it going to look like? Do you want to remain and maintain the image that you were first initially born with? Or do you want to obtain and pursue the image that you were born into, image forth? See, most of the, listen, we've got this whole thing so wrong. And we have come up with programs. Now, there's what my microphone My batteries went dead. But anyway, we'll roll with it. We can hear me. y'all. Can hear me good. We, we come up with programs and we come up with all of this, uh, all of these conjured up ideas, and we and we model them after things that have nothing to do with the church. All they have anything to do with is how to how to entice people to come and be a part of what you're doing and how you can entice people to buy into your brand and how you can entice people to invest into your visions. But see, none of that really works in the kingdom. Because see, if I'm operating in and out of the kingdom, I have access, total 100% free access into his resources and his resources are exceedingly abundant. I believe that I believe. Okay, why? Why? Why do we have to ask for donations, or why do we have to ask people to send me money? It's why. Possibly, you're not operating out of the kingdom, and you're operating out of a kingdom, not the kingdom, His kingdom. You're operating out of your kingdom, and you need people to then support and fund your kingdom. I, I just want to commend you. I mean, there's, there's, probably less than twenty people in here. Okay, man, he's getting hot in here little
0: Jason back around in a tank
1: top. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You put your back on. Feels pretty good in here to me. Where was I at before I got off on that little tangent? Anybody remember? Oh, yeah, I want to in y'all. That's not... That's not a very good. Y'all don't remember what I said five minutes ago. Did you count how many people was in here? Yeah, there's less than twenty. I'm sure. I don't know. I can't count that fast. I've had to take my shoes off. But we have done, and I'm not saying this in any braggadocious form. But we have done, as a small church, many great and wonderful things in comparison to our size, to what we have accomplished. There was, there was nearly, there was, there was somewhere around the ballpark of seventy-five people in this church. Uh, right before Christmas, every one of them got a full belly, and most of them got multiple Christmas presents. Anyone from the age of 18 and under, and, and it wasn't five dollars uh, getting Christmas presents. These were these were pretty pretty good, awesome Christmas presents, and I was envious of some of them. Uh, nearly 200 backpacks and all the supplies to go in them, and nearly 200 people fed in one night, almost had 200 people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in a community where everybody says that there's no hope. Children being fed on the weekends... And we have asked for no finances and we have asked for no glory. And why have we been successful in those things? Because we've done it out of promise and we've done it out of purpose. And I believe that God said if we will purpose to do his will, he will promise to provide us with the provisions to see it come to pass. Amen. Amen. There's a big difference in this. I've read articles about people that moved from one state to another that said they're believing that God is going to give them a facility and not just any facility, a $19 million facility and they were not going to have to borrow any of the money. They were believing that God was going to send it supernaturally, but right under the bottom was a link. If you felt a need to donate, here was the link. You, You click it, donate whatever you felt to donate. That's not God sending your fine supernaturally. That is you using the marketing tools of the industry in order to entice people to feel that they need to get into your vision. That's it. That's simply what it is. It's marketing. I can tell that when people start using certain language in their social media posts, there are there's simple things that you can do that will entice people to feel guilty in giving. It's simple things that you can do and how you can say things and in the context that you say them. Listen, you know, I, it, it's, it's a set. Pitch. Do you know what I tell every salesman that, that comes out to me on a car lot? I tell them straightforward. When they get five steps away, I look at them and say, I hope I don't offend you. It's not that I don't trust you, I don't trust any of you. And I don't. You tell them what you want and what you need and how much you'll pay. They'll come out with an offer say, this is the best I can do. And it's at least $200 over the monthly payment that you requested. One word, commission. They know you can't afford that rocky bridge, but they're going to try to put you in it anyway. Once they get their commission, it don't matter if it goes back to the bank. So we have implemented a sales pitch and a salesman mentality in trying to obtain finances to support our kingdom and it's not his kingdom because his kingdom doesn't need supported financially. Amen. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If you're doing the kingdom work and asking for money, it's quite possible. You're not doing the kingdom work in the first place. Amen. C.S. Lewis, I believe it was, I say this all the time, the There's two thrones in the heart of every man. If you're on his, then he isn't on. If you're on yours, then he isn't on his. Herod is the one that is seated upon your throne if it's in your heart. Because Herod had to send out a mandate to kill all the infant sons. In all of the land because he tried to ensure that no one would rise up and take his position and his authority. What if I talk about this? What does Jesus do when Jesus is appropriately seated upon his throne? He shares it with you. Us by nature are so, so centered around the self that when we set and obtain our throne, we did everything within our power to keep it and secure it. But he is so secure in his identity that he knows that you cannot adequately overcome his authority, but you can, by grace, share in his authority with him. So he says, come up hither and be seated here in my throne. Who do you think is seated in the throne of Christ, beside Christ, or with Christ? The church. Why? Because he will not share anything with anyone other than his bride, but he desires to share everything with the one in whom he is betrothed to. What is his is yours, and what is yours is his. And you better understand what that means. Okay, he gave his body, he then deserves yours. In every aspect of it, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Giving yourself unto Him. Submissively. Surrender. Consensually. you got to understand that this thing requires something that I call a consensual yes. Do you, well, there, there's something in the law that if it's not consensual intimacy, then it's considered rape. He has no desire to rape you. His desire is invoked by your consensual yes. Once you give him the consensual yes, he comes in and then creates an entire world around you that evolves around him. Listen, we, we, we're, up in, we're up in arms trying to figure out how do we abolish abortion? How do we abolish addiction? How do we abolish uh, human trafficking? How do we abolish all the evil that's in the world? It's because we then begin to seek His face. Listen, you've got to understand that protests cannot take precedence over prayer. And programs cannot take precedence over presence until we humble ourselves and pray and seek His face. He will not hear us from heaven, nor will He heal our land. I'm going to go on, and on. Listen, our politicians can't replace our priests. We've got to understand that there is there is a remnant priesthood rising up in our nation. I believe a Zadok priesthood is rising up in our nation that will minister before the face of God continually. And when the time comes that they emerge from the presence of God, things begin to shift in our country. Everybody said, listen, where's the outcry, the outcry, the outcry? They want to stand on a podium and say, we've got to abolish abortion. But where were they at? Where were they at 10 years ago when they started aborting them in the first trimester? Where were they 5 years ago when they started aborting them in the second trimester? Yes, it's horrific. But guess what? You can protest until you're blue in the face. But until you sincerely get back to seeking the face of God and for His presence to come and intervene, guess what? What happens when he comes? He brings his world with him, and there is no aborted babies in his world. Well, what are we going to do about incest and rape in his world? Those don't exist either. Why? Because he, by nature, doesn't desire to rank no one. He, he, by nature, desires to be the world of someone, and then the center of his world. But it only works reciprocally when you make him the center of his. You make him the center of your world. He, by automatically, by way of grace, makes you the center of his. Come on. Several years ago, I was in Cleveland, Tennessee, at the. Uh, at the North Cleveland Church of God there and I don't remember who it was, I'm pretty sure one of, one of those guys is a big deal in the Church of God that just shows you how much you know, up the course I am on the big names uh, but he, he made this statement, he said throughout centuries you could look at the buildings and tell who their gods were and he said, and there was one time that he would come in, and he said, I am not know, there, there's something uh, that is right here and there's something that is wrong here. Okay? By the buildings in their community. Used to be you could go into a city and the biggest buildings that were in the city were the church houses. The temples. Okay? Now, I, I want you to understand that what is wrong here is that we cannot worship the The temple. But what is right here is that we were coming into the presence of God and that we were investing into the presence of God and we were worshiping the presence of God not only by our presence but by our finances because we, we, we were, we, listen I'm not talking about the kingdom, the kingdom needs no funding but when we were building churches the churches were the ones that were the most outstanding now you go into a city and it's, it's, it's the buildings of industry. It's the buildings of Wall Street. It's the buildings of, of bank franchises. And if you go into cities now, it's what, what's the tallest thing you see? It's golden arches and it's Burger King signs. It, you can see those from a mile away. Why? Well, because those are the things that we worship. Those are the things that we call our freedoms. We've got to be careful about freedoms. Because oppression can be served in the covering of freedom, but once you partake of it, it then becomes an oppression. Hmm? How do I know this? Because it happens in the natural. That Big Mac looks delectable, but if you eat too many Big Macs, Macs you become fat, and it begins to slow you down, and it, and it hinders your health, and it can, it can also quicken uh, the, the expanse of your life, or the, the, the demise of your life. I'm free to eat whatever I want, but I've got to make moral judgments on whether I need a second Big Mac or not. Amen? Amen. How many of us drink more than three pops a day? I probably, I probably drank more pop than he all. No, I didn't get it. He's probably telling a truth say, but I've seen this guy right? But it's not good for you. So, and with that being said, we can tell by looking at the, the capacity and the size of our buildings, where our heart is and where our, who our gods are. Now, now we can look at what, I mean, listen. I mean, I say we pray for our leaders and some of them need more prayers than others. Honestly, and I mean that from the sincerity. Uh, from from the sincerity of my heart, some of our leaders are being influenced by principalities and powers, and you know the rulers of the darkness and spiritual weakness in heavenly places. They're they're being influenced by this. I mean, anybody that will kill a baby, uh, partially partially birth a baby and then sever its spinal cord, uh, just so that they can part its it, it, they can part its organs out. Come on, we got to get to the real issue here. Who is God in this nation? The almighty dollar. There's no sanctity of life. But there is a sanctity of the dollar. It's the love of money. That is the root of all evil. And we have. We have prided ourselves. In being the biggest. And being the fastest. And being the greatest. building the tallest skyscrapers, building the longest bridges, building the most luxurious and lavish resorts. Let's just look at how things have shifted over the years. Used to A week on a lake in a tent was the best vacation you could have ever had. Now you have to go into uh, a city or into a county that is funded on tourism and spend $600 a night to stay in a motel that has a water park built onto it. And then you have to go into the park across the road to spend $150 per person to go in and ride. Listen, we have began to shift. In such a direction that it's got to be bigger, faster, more luxurious, more lavish than next year. And then we we continue down that road and down that road and down that road. Guess what happens? Once you feed all of that flesh and that carnality, you never know how. you, You no longer know how to be content in what you have. I mean, look, look at our TV programs. Look, let me. I mean, let me just ask you this. I mean, I'm, I'm just I, you know, I don't want to be offensive, but I say things that everybody else does to pray and say. And I believe, I really believe in sharing the love of Christ and being a being a beacon of hope and a beacon of light. But by doing that, in most cases, we bring a spotlight and a crosshair down upon our back because everybody's out to, to just, they're, they're out, they're out for, I believe, what could be the greatest thing that could ever happen. Nobody wants Jesus anymore. Half of the church don't even want Jesus anymore. They just want to be. They just want. Uh, they just want the satisfaction of feeling important and as they belong. Do you know why the, that most of the movements in, in our country uh, are happening? It's because people want to feel as though they, they 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 belong to it. You know, listen. I'm telling you right now that most of the people that march in some of these uh, escapades. Have no idea, actually, what it is they're marching for. They just want to be attached and associated and feel like they belong to it. Because it's it's a new thing. It's a it's it's a new era. It's actually oppression disguised as freedom, and everybody is taking a hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because nobody wants to live in the fear of the Lord and nobody wants to live in communion with the Spirit of the Lord. And Paul says that where the Lord is, is freedom and the, the Lord that I'm talking about is the Spirit of God. So where the Spirit of Almighty God dwells, there is freedom. And we have we have we have we have absolutely what's the word I'm looking for? What, what out of a place? They abandon you. When you kick somebody out. Somebody help me out there. I know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Landlords. Evicted. Evicted. Thank you. Lord help me, Jesus. We've evicted the Holy Spirit out of our homes, out of business, and utterly out of the White House. We've evicted the Holy Spirit. And I believe, I really believe that we need to, as a people called by God's name, begin to humble ourselves and pray, seeking his face and asking him to send the Holy Spirit back. You know, come by invitation, Lord. Come by invitation. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in this room. Listen, he'll never have his way in the White House because he hasn't got his way in his house. And when I say his house, I mean the church. No, 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 no. We we have caused the church to be a programmable entity. We top in the statistics and the numbers and the figures, and that's how we operate. We don't let the Holy Spirit have his way. And until we get back to letting the Holy Spirit have his way in this house, we will never see the day when the Holy Spirit has his way in the white house or the capital of each and every individual state. Come on. No, 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 I'm telling you, well those politicians up there in that are as crooked and evil as anybody ever was, but it ain't their fault, it's our fault. Because we stand idly by and we complain and protest, but we never pray and intercede. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about scheduled prayer meetings. I'm talking about scheduled prayer meetings, but further than that, and more so than that, I'm talking about communion, personal devotional communion of the individual within the church that has a dialogue with Jesus, that begins to share their heart with Jesus and listen to the heart of him as he shares his with you. And we begin to turn the tide of this thing, and we bring Jesus and the presence of the King and the kingdom back into a nation. That is vacant. Amen. Come on. You can drive evil out all you want to. But what does Jesus say about it? When an unclean spirit leaves a man, he goes through and sojourns through desolate places, finding, looking for rest. Finding none, says within himself, I'll go back to where I came from. Finding the house swept and garnished means unoccupied. He goes to find seven of his friends. And the latter state of the man is seven times worse than the former state of the man. We can cast devils out of government and politics all day long, but until we bring the residing of the Holy Spirit back in, that it may preside over the proceedings of all of our legislative decisions, we will end up seven times worse than what we started. Amen. Amen. Why are there so many people in the jailhouse? Because we've done church over the last 200 years without Holy Spirit in the church house. Holy Spirit has not been allowed to govern even his own house, our house, the school house, or the white house. Why is my house in utter chaos? Because you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to govern it. Amen. Why is the schoolhouse in utter disarray? Because we've, uh, we've, we've disallowed the Holy Spirit to govern it. Come on, but we'll, we'll protest behind closed doors. Protest. And when I say protest, I mean we'll complain. But let me, let me tell you this. We, we, will, we, will say, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers of the darkness of this age of spiritual weakness in heavenly places. If we don't war against them, why are we trying to war them with the abilities of our natural carnal self? How do we war against them? In the Spirit. How do we war in the Spirit? By praying. Where? In the Spirit. Oh, you're talking about speaking. I am not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about allowing the Spirit on the inside. Listen, listen, listen. We haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to govern his house, the schoolhouse, the jailhouse, or the white house, and we sure have not allowed him to govern the prayers that come out of this house, and I'm talking about the individual, the heart, the soul of the individual. The core of the man and the core of the woman has not allowed the Holy Spirit to govern the prayers that come out of their mouth. Listen, let me tell you something. I listened to to Francis Chan. Probably the first time, I know the first time I've ever listened to Francis Chan. In no way was I impressed with his ability to articulate. And he he admits, he said, I'm not the smartest guy on this stage this week. They were at a conference. He begins to talk about some of the men that were speaking on that stage before and after him and how intelligent they were and how advanced they were and how, how, you know, just amazing they were and how they could articulate And he, But what I was impressed was with how he allowed the Holy Spirit to use him regardless of how, regardless of how unworthy or how unqualified that uh, that he felt, he let the Holy Spirit and he began to talk, teach, teach about praying in the Spirit, and you know what praying in the Spirit is, just what I said, it's not what he said, but it's just what I said, I said it differently, that we need to allow the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to govern the prayers that come from the, from, from, from on the outside of us, and when we pray we need to let the Holy Spirit govern us, why, because let me tell you something you you know without telling the truth that when you sit down to pray for some people, you can find it hard to pray for them hmm I mean, there's many of us in the room that, are, I mean, is, I'm not going to mention no names, but if, we, if I asked you to start praying for some of the politics that we see on national TV, you would probably laugh or even throw up in your mouth. And, you know, we we, yeah, we would pray for them. You know, what was the old country song I pray for you every day The a flare pop will fall out the window and hit you in the head? See... It then goes back to what the Lord began to share with me. I can't adequately love you from myself. I have to uh, allow Jesus through me to adequately love the soul of the person because the soul of the person is the internal and eternal essence of that individual. Uh, it's hard, it's hard. And I, I don't even want to tell you this, but sometimes you've got to pray for those that absolutely and act, and, and utterly destroy you mentally and physically and emotionally. Those that, that, that talk down to you those that talk about you, sometimes you've got to pray for them. And the only way that you can pray for them is to allow the, allow the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to govern your prayers over them. Come on. And that's the only way we're going to bring the Holy Spirit back into the uh, back into the, the, the nation and allow him to proceed or preside over the proceedings of our nation is to allow the Holy Spirit himself to pray out of us with groanings that cannot be uttered because we don't know how to pray as we ought but he that is in us the spirit knows the mind of God and prays according to the will of God so what is the will of God I may not necessarily know the will of God but the one in me absolutely knows the will of God and sometimes I gotta turn and get loose How do we turn it loose in the nation? We turn it loose over us first. We release the Holy Spirit. You've got to understand. I mean, we have been wrong in the charismatic Pentecostal circles. And I'm not afraid to say this because there's many people that are agreeing with me now. Not that I came up with it. Uh, there's, there's many and smarter men that have said this before me. We're not talking about receiving the Holy Ghost. We're talking about releasing the Holy Ghost. Have you received the Holy Ghost, brother? What well, they really want to know is if you spoke in tongues. No, 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 no. Go back and read the Bible, home, cry. Self-same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead also quickens your mortal body. When you say, Jesus, I am done with the life that I'm living. Now I need to live a life in your presence. Will you give me your Zoe to overcome this suitcase that I may live as an image bearer and that I may live in accordance to your will. The same spirit that raised him from the dead quickens your mortal body and becomes your internal compass of morality, becomes your internal compass of spirituality, and the same Spirit that raised Him out of the grave dwells and indwells your mortal body, and out of your body you have the ability to release Him into a nation that has a, that, that is plagued by the absence of His presence. Amen. Come on, how, am I gonna, how do I prove this? Well, the Holy Spirit showed up in today's service. That's sad. You mean the Holy Spirit just happened to trip over His own feet and flop through the doors of His own house? And we were going to come and just sit down in somebody's house when they wasn't even home? Holy Spirit doesn't come into the house of God and say, Excuse me, I didn't know anybody was in here. It's His house. And you know where else he dwells and resides In your heart. So if you come through those doors, he automatically comes in with you because he resides in you. If he resides in you, he has the governing ability to preside over your decisions. If you allow. Amen. I was talking to a friend the other day he said his brother-in-law prays before he spent any money. He said he had to buy a fridge right there. He started laughing. He said, well, my brother in laws going to have to pray and fast for five days before he goes and buys it. Since he made fun of him, the guy has hardly ever made a bad decision when it comes to finances. I said, well, you know what? That kind of slaps me in the face. Because <laughs> if I want it, I see what my mouth is on the credit card, and i buy. It. <laughs> but I have, I have, I have, I have sat back from that for a little while. For, for, as, of, as of recently, I've not, you know, been so... Uh, uh, loose with my credit. Because I, I have began to pray and ask God, you know, I know that, you know, I want it, but it's not necessarily a need or necessity. So let me pray about it. Or, you know, sometimes my prayers just me shut my mouth, to be honest with you. Because, you know, I try, I try to convince the Holy Ghost, like I try to convince my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I am yet to butter up the Holy Ghost. I don't know how I worked. For many years, I tried, but he is, he is. You know, I'm going to give you another tombstone. Close. He's like wild earth. He's like an oak. He's unmovable. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say correctly, You are an oak. <laughs> he won't budge. <laughs> I, I, I need it, you know what you don't. That's how simple it is. He he has the ability, if allowed, to govern. You know how I know most people end up in in the mire? All in the name of preaching the gospel? Because they never allow the Holy Spirit to govern their comings and their goings. You know how many times I really have thought about it, Brandon. and I have talked about packing up, moving somewhere, just going south. That's that's where she wants to go. Not necessarily where I want to go because I'm not so partial to the heat. She is. You you can't look like this and survive in anywhere really below the Mason Dixon line. To be honest. but the Holy Spirit never sent me. And man, here's something too. I don't know. I, I've been. I've, this has been weighing heavy on my heart. So many people will, will get up and they'll boast. I'll go wherever the Holy Spirit sends me. I'll go wherever Jesus sends me. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because let me, let me tell you what happens most of the time when the Holy Spirit sends you. He sends you to go there and stay. Not to ride the wings of the wind to wherever it may take you. That's what you want. Because guess what, a seed can't be planted when it keeps riding the wings of the wind, and it never touches down and takes root. Come on, somebody, you know I'm preaching. I'm going to cast my seed. No, you're not, because you've never landed long enough to take root or allow a root to begin to be planted within the ground so that it may produce fruit. You just keep skipping over the places where God wanted you to land. Why? Because you're too, you're too, you're too worried about riding the wind. Because there's excitement in riding the wind. The Lord sent me. He sent me. He sent you. He sent all of you. He has sent you. But we've got to understand that in some cases, if not most cases, He sent you to a place and then asked you to stay. If we look at all the apostolic leaders in in the scripture that that were sending other apostolic leaders to go plant churches, they sent them to plant that church and then they told them to stay there and preside over the governing of that church that they may make that thing grow spiritually and even economically. Let's go plant seed here and just leave it. Everybody has dreams and hopes, and I'm even talking about my. When I first started preaching, my dream and hope was to be a traveling evangelist because I was going to blow into one city and blow into another city, and I was going, I was going to have the wind beneath my wings. I stole that from a song. Really, don't know (coughs) which one it is. You are the wind beneath my. Come on, Lisa, you can sing better. Thank you. I was looking for a compliment. Got one. (laughs) <laughs> I got here. I got here <laughs> five years ago. I'm still here. Probably going to be here another five years. I don't you know. I was <laughs> trying to get lift off. Of, I'm take off again. You know what I'm saying? I, everybody has a dream of being a traveling man with the wings of the wind under them. Most of what I've seen make no impact make no impact. And I'll just tell you why. When you're flying on the wings of the wind that aren't the sent wings of the Holy Spirit, when you skip you make little impact. But when someone is sent from heaven, it falls directly down, perpendicularly and when that bad boy hits, especially when you're as fat as me, it makes a big dent in the ground. (laughs) I hit here, some y'all had to pull me out from my waist down because I just sunk up. Those that are sent and hit to make the biggest impact are those that were sent to stay. We have this wild cowboy mentality riding into a town. And saving it and riding on out into the sunset so that everybody could talk about, oh me, oh my. You remember when? One of the biggest things I believe that is changing and shifting uh, the the spiritual environment is men that are willing to go into seated houses and seated homes much like this one and remain a father over it and, and maintain in a seat to where the Holy Spirit presides over the judgments of it so that we can become rooted and grounded in Jesus and in the faith and make a lasting impact because you cannot create a legacy skipping from one town to another. My gosh. I don't even know where to go from here. But I do know, listen to me, when I talk about prayer meetings, I'm not talking necessarily about congregational or communal prayer meetings. I'm talking about you, the individual, having a such a close relationship and intimacy and devotional, and devotional, uh, a devotional pursuit for Him that your dialogue with Him becomes prayer meetings right? because you meet Him within the presence of Him. And when you come into the presence of Him, not only have you been made new, but you then have the ability to... Listen, let me say something here. I believe that the Word of God, the reign of Word that is spoken over you in the moment of you accepting Christ, when He calls you the beloved, I believe that there is transformational regeneration that takes place, and that it is continual transformational regeneration. But I also need you to understand that in that process, he has the ability and does, he does act upon it to recreate something in you or to recreate himself in you. Amen? Amen. Recreational. Recreational. Guess what happens when the Lord speaks recreationally in you? He then gives you the ability to speak recreation into the nation. So you then begin to look at things that appear to be out of the will or out of alignment and you can speak those things back into you then have the ability to recreate things according to the way that you see it in heavenly places. Amen. Huh? Heavenly places. Has He not seated us together in heavenly places is what Ephesians says. Guess what happens? Do you understand that when He calls you up here into a higher elevation, it isn't so that you can look down upon people. It's so that He can change your plane of view and your plane of vision and you can see further. Hmm? Guess what happens when you can see further? You can see more. Guess what happens when you can see more? you see the bigger, broader picture. Most of us have lost hope because we can't see beyond the obstacle in front of us. So guess what happens when He calls me up here and says, I will show you things that must come hereafter." He allows me to extend my perception and then when I see what is to come, I then call those things that aren't just yet what is to come. I begin to speak into existence those things that are on the horizon, I did call those things that are before. I call them to me, and I call those things that are yet time to come. I declare it now. Are y'all with me? Amen. Do you know what it means in Jeremiah when it says that I know my thoughts and I thought I know the thoughts and I think towards you is to prosper you and not of evil. And then the King James version says, "And to give you an expected end." Do you know what the word there for expected end is? Me neither. I can't pronounce it because I haven't looked at it in a while. But let me tell you what it actually means. This is the strongest Concordance definition. To have the ability to peer into the future and prophetically declare it into manifestation. Hmm, come on, man. Let's get up here where we can see just a little bit further. And you know what I see? Most people, every time I talk to them, want to talk about the negative and the evil and the destruction and the desolation in their community and in their nation. You know what I see? I see the glory of the Lord or the knowledge of the glory of the Lord covering the earth as do the waters cover the sea. And He's elevated me so that I can see beyond the parched ground of the desolate and I can see the recreational power of my King Jesus coming. And I cry out with all of humility, Lord Jesus come and when he comes, he brings his world with him, and desolation cannot survive in the crowding presence of one named Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Come on. Sometimes you've got to lift your head up so that you can see beyond the horizon. Because tomorrow is the dawning of a new day. But there's a God living on the inside of you that can speak it into existence. He can bring tomorrow into the now. And tomorrow I believe the glory of the Lord is going to begin to shine and illuminate the landscape. What looks dark and dreary out there now I believe will be illuminated by the radiant glory in the presence of the King and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Yeshua. Amen. Come on. Do you know what it is? Do you know what is taking place in your life right now? David Wilkerson called it a conspiracy of disruption. It is anything the enemy can throw at your way to draw or steal your attention from the glory of God. Amen. What is taking place? It's a slide of hand. Look at what my left hand is doing. Why my right hand steals your glory. Why it steals your joy. Why it steals your peace. The kingdom of God is not in meat, nor is it in drink, but it is in righteousness. It is in peace, and it is in joy. In what? The Holy Ghost. When I live in the presence of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. I get down just as much, if not more, than any of you. But in my moments of doubt, I hear the Lord say, come up here one more time, because it, it appears that you've forgotten the things I've showed you. Come on. Come on. Sometimes he gives you a promise, and you forget what that promise was. And he says, you need to come back up here a minute. Let me show you once more. Hmm? I believe this church is going to be full not necessarily of people but of the spirit of God. Amen. It may be old and dilapidated but that don't matter. He's going to come in and dwell in his glory. is going to restore and recreate things that were that, that have been that have been just late. I mean come, come on. Restoration and reclamation the he has a creative power. What makes us think that he doesn't have a recreative power? Come on, man, you know, listen, they were, they were, they were talking about Manchester, Kentucky. The, you know, the Appalachian, uh, one of the greatest Appalachian revivals that we have we, we know of to date, you know. They were talking about not only was the church healed. But that their communities were healed. And they 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 literally began to see fish, trout begin to thrive in their streams again, wildlife, even elk, begin to thrive in their forests again. Things that had not been there for years and decades and some even millennia, even centuries. But when the Spirit of God showed up and began to revive things. He didn't revive the church. He revived the people. He revived the community. He revived the 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 nature that was around them. He, he revived the region and what was once desolate become alive again. Come on. But once he shows up, I need you to understand that it is up to us to attentively steward him well. Hmm. You you will not come to my house a second time if when you get there I act as if though you're not there. You will not come to my house again if when you get there I act as if though you aren't there. The Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit would not give himself unto a people that behave and carry themselves in a way that he does not even exist in the room. We have to steward him well. We have to invite him with the invitation from our hearts to come in and dwell within our heart first and foremost and in this church and in our homes and then when the river begins to swell and the banks can no longer contain it the river will then begin to spread abroad into the nation. When the fullness of Christ, which is the church, can I, do I need to prove that? It's in, it's in the Scriptures. Paul says that we, that we are the fullness of Christ. The church is body. When the fullness of Christ Begins to rise up. And that river. Which is the church. Because out of your belly. If you believe. Out of your belly. Shall begin to flow rivers of living waters. When the church begins to take this nation back. By expansion. hmm? By expansion. What happens when something expands. It begins to move. To a larger scale. When the kingdom of God begins to advance by force, by the Spirit of God, hmm? what happens when the church begins to expand? I believe that there's a glory that comes. And, and I believe that the glory coming is, is po- quite possibly a precursor or a consequence. I really don't know. It doesn't matter. But when the church begins to expand, the glory of God begins to illuminate and when the church expands, the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the, the earth as does the waters cover the seas. I'm telling you right now that the kingdoms of this earth are becoming the kingdoms of our God and His Christ. Come on. You've got to understand. I'm, I'm sick and tired of dwelling on the rapture because He's done enraptured my heart and I fell in love with him because he fell to this earth and went to a cross for me. You know, God so loved the world. No, 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 no. We gotta gotta stop saying just God because Jesus so loved you too. He could have said in any moment they ain't worth it Father. Come on. I'm ready for this. Let me read something that I wrote in my notes. Let me read something that I wrote in my notes, and it was not for today. I, I actually have scripture for today that was from last week and the week before that, and I will, when the Lord permits me, I'll cover the rest of this. Everybody knows the conversation that I'm alluding to when I say that the Lord began to share with me some secrets about uh, the walnut hole and the streams that flew that came flowing out of the mountains. How? That the mountains done nothing and exerted nothing of them, their, their sails. They just allowed God to position them to receive what God poured out upon them. And when they received what God poured out upon them, they received it within them. All we have to do is position ourselves to contain and obtain within us what God pours out upon us. The only thing is, is when we contain it and obtain it, Containing and attaining it because it begins to overflow the capacities of who we are because then out of our bellies begin to flow rivers of living water. Come on. Let me read these notes from September the 20th and then I'll let you go. Many claim they're deep but have no depth. Any fool at the bottom of a dry well will sound deep by their words, but their words have no depth. Their voice has great sound effects, but their sound has no lasting effects. They're merely amplified echoes reverberating a generic noise into the region. And that's what we have, that is what we have been raped and ravaged by in this community and in this region for decades. It's dry wells. Do you understand the analogy that I'm using here? If you stand over top of a dry well and you say hello, it'll go, hello, 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 hello. There's an amplified <coughs> echo. The same happens if one is at the bottom of a well and begins to cry out to the top of the well. Hello, 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 hello. Let me tell you what those dry wells are. They're wishing wells because they're trying to convince you to throw your money down their mouth. (laughs) Wishing wells. That's what they are. They come from God. They're merely amplified echoes reverberating a generic noise into the region. However, there are, there are those with a real death that are beginning to spring up around the region. That will be a sound of resurrection life. Those who have truly died to themselves and have been hidden away with Yeshua within the overshadowing of the secret place. They've been seated, but soon they'll be sent... These will be deposits of vital water springing up into those parched regions that lie desolate because dry wells have been the resource. This sound will summons the heavens to open and the release of a river flowing down into the barren landscape. Waters, Living waters will bring restoration and refreshing. I say today that the deep calls unto the deep. If you look at Genesis 7 and verse 11 in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. There was a precursor for the rain to fall. The precursor for the rain to fall was that the the rivers and the fountains of the deep within the earth began to break up and cry out for the windows of heaven to be opened. Come on, man. You know what that is? It's prayer. If my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I would forgive their sins and I would hear them from heaven and I would heal their wicked land. Guess what? Let me me see. Anybody know what verse 17 says? Everybody knows what verse 14 says, but do we understand uh, what verse 13 says Let me share it with you What verse 13 says I know I wrote it down here somewhere But I'm going to bring it out In my book here real quick Or the Bible Second Chronicles 7 Verse 12, 13, and 14 And the Lord appeared To Solomon by night And said unto him I have heard thy prayer And have chosen this place To myself for an house of sacrifice Look what verse 13 says If I shut up heaven That there be no rain say that again. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain or if I command the locusts to devour the land or if I send pestilence among my people, this is what you do. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Do you know what the land is plagued with? Drought. Why? Because there's no river running through it. Do you know who initially the river is? Yes, I said who. He is Jesus. Hmm? When the scripture says in Genesis 2 that there was a mist came up from the, uh, from the ground and it watered the whole face thereof, or a mist came up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground, that word mist, you've got to understand that. I believe, you got to understand that there's a difference in osmosis and condensation. Osmosis is the collection of water molecules to accumulate in the form of clouds and when the weather conditions are right and the, and the atmosphere is right, they fall back to the ground as in the form of precipitation. But have you ever walked outside early in the morning and walked through the grass and did not drain, but rain or drop, but your shoes get soaked? you know what that's called? That's called dew. Do you know where dew comes from? It comes from condensation in the air. Do you know what the doom is? It's the presence of the Holy It's the presence of the Spirit. It's the, it's, it's, it, it, it actually references or it, it is symbolic to the presence of Jesus in the earth because He came up from the earth. Guess what happened? Do you know that a lot of revised translations, the NLT, the NIP, do not say mist, They say rivers. Because the original word in the King James when they translated it mist was actually, should have been translated rivers. So I believe that there was a river in the midst of the earth. Not in, in, not beneath the earth, however, that is so. But I believe that there was a presence, a mist, and that mist was a presence of Yeshua. And Yeshua is initially the uh, the, the generator of living waters. I believe that Jesus lived in the midst of the people in the form of living waters because He came up from the ground and He watered the whole face thereof. There was, you got to understand, close your eyes if you have to, I want you to be, begin to visualize a, a, a stream A stream that began to move across the face of the earth. And it began to wind and it began to turn. And and the Bible actually says it. It it would would have said it this way. That the river irrigated the entire earth. I believe. I believe that I believe that I believe. And you mark my words. I'm, I'm prophesied if I will. That there is a river beginning to flow in the earth again. There is a stream within the midst uh-huh. that is beginning to flow in amongst the earth again. And it will then begin to water the parched desolate grounds. And then we will begin to see trees that are planted by rivers of water. And they will produce their fruit in their seasons. And their leaves will not wither. And whatsoever they do shall prosper. Guess what? That's not seasonally, that's continually. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away, behold, all things are made new. The river is beginning to flow. And you cannot tell from your position in the river where it begins or where it is. Because he is the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. You need to get in the river. Amen. Let me finish this. The fountains within the fountains within, and upon the river opening up and crying out is the precursor for the heavens to be opened. Fountains, I believe oases, hidden within the landscape will begin to be heard across the world and in the heavens. The heavens will then release its rivers into the earth. And that sound will greatly overwhelm the lifeless echoes of dry wells. I hear the sound. I hear the sound of a river and it's coming down. Do you know what Ezekiel 43 verse 2 says? Suddenly, the glory of God, the God of Israel, appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like the roar of rushing waters and the whole landscape shone with his glory. What did I say earlier? That the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as new the waters cover the seas. I believe that when our cries, those broken Those broken fountains of the deep begin to cry out into the heavens and the windows of heavens have been opened up. He will then begin to shower us with glory. So I say let it run and I hear the sound of the river coming. Have you been fed? He told Peter if you love me feed my sheep. That's the mandate on my life. As you know going out of Last year I set the table and I told you I'm not here to call you up to the altar. I'm here to call you to the table. The Lord has told me to feed you. Let me tell you, let me just say it this way. A lot of times when I set the table, my kids tell me they don't like it. (laughs) That's their problem. I can't make them like it. That's what they were served. If they want to grow, they'll eat what Mama and Daddy puts on the table. I know for most of you, I'm a few years younger, but I am the father of this house and this is our home. And I fail if I don't feed you. My only issue is I may feed you excessively. And at times, feed you aggressively. You know, open your mouth and shove it in. That don't work either sometimes. But the table's been set, and there's an adequate meal. If we'll just partake of it, I promise you, listen. Do I say that to boast in me? I do not say that to boast in me. I'm just telling you. You know what I tell my kids when they go into the kitchen at 12 o'clock at night when they're supposed to be in the bed? You had your chance to eat. Go back to bed. And, and I say that because there's there's, there's an hour board there. You know, there's a parable. And I'm not, I'm not saying any of you in this room, trust me, and, and I, I mean this. I'm not talking about any of you. But there are people that will sit down at the dinner table and refuse to eat, but when they're in need, they'll call their pastor at 12 o'clock at night and say, I need fed. Mm-hmm. If you need fed at 12 o'clock at night and it's your pastor's fault, you need to find a new church. But most of the time, in this case, I'm going to tell you, because I feed you, I feed you, I feed the people. I'm just, I'm just, I, and I, I'm not I'm not trying for that to be a discouragement. I'm trying for that to be an encouragement. Because listen, I want to see the day where I can sit down and let Deidre or Brittany or even Charlie or one of my kids come up here and preach and you would not even know. I mean, there would be no difference in the sound. There would be no difference in the sound. There would be no difference in the revelation. It would be the same sound of the same revelation because we would begin to develop the same ear to hear. See, listen, I, I want you to understand and I want you to take this with you. The, my, my job as a father of this house is not to create debtors and dependents. <clears throat> I don't need you to owe me anything and I don't want you to be dependent upon me. I want you to be disciples and that's what Jesus did. He create debtors and dependents. He created disciples and he said, now in my absence you continue to fight. <clears throat> I, I want to see each and every one of you lay hands on the sick and see them recover without without having to talk. See, I, I, I want, I want, listen, and I say this all the time, this is just refreshing. I want you to begin to do what I do when as it, it pertains to preaching, praying, studying, reading, uh, pr- uh, laying hands on, whatever, whatever it may be. I want to see you can start to do what I do and do it better, but I want to continue to keep one step ahead of it that's oxymoronic yes I know it. but as a leader I've got to stay in front of you so that I can continue to lead the fight <clears throat> without a vision people perish and I've got my eyes on the, on the vision I've got my eyes on <coughs> I've got my eyes on the elevated place and it's from glory to glory to glory to glory let's stand let's stand because I know we got places to be <laughs> you know I preach too long when everybody starts to grunt when they get up <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for the opportunity in this beautiful Sunday morning, God. And we just pray, God, as the snow as it continues to fall and as it continues to fall, God, that you would give us a glimpse of the revelation that this is, this is much like what it would look like when your glory begins to cover the landscape and your, your glory and your radiance begins to shine across the landscape, God. That when we look into the landscape and we look into the region, we begin to see evidence of your presence, of your glory, Lord. The glory presence will come into this place, God. Let this be an indication of what you're beginning and what you're starting to begin to release into our region, God. Let this be an indicator, Father. Let this be an indicator that will begin to encourage us to pursue and seek more of you, God. God, let the little not be enough, but God, let us become so, let us become enamored with the presence of Yeshua that nothing and nothing, and I mean nothing, could replace the, 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 the feeling and replace the the, the experience and the encounter that we have received by walking into the presence and walking with the presence of Jesus God as we are, are as we are in Christ I know that we are new creatures and God that we are continually transformationally being recreated and regenerated God from glory to glory to glory from the image of man into the image of the Son of man. God, that we are image bearers of the living God. God, and that Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we as the church are the fullness of Christ. Come on, Lord. We just pray, God, that you will overflow and overwhelm our break and our capacities, God. That what we have tried to constrain and restrict, well, no longer will we be able to restrain and constrict, God. But I pray for the overflow, God, to come into this home and into this house. I pray, God, for the overflow of your spirit as you pour it out, God, into this house. We'll begin to overflow into every house that is represented here today. Every house that is represented as they listen on the on, on podcast, God, and every family will begin to experience the overflow of your pouring and your outpouring, God, that comes into this place by way of a people that have humbled themselves and are praying, come Lord, come come, Lord, come. God, let me say this. We're not praying, God, that you would come and rapture us out of here, God. I am praying that you would come in the cloud of glory, that the world and the earth will begin to understand the knowledge of the glory of Christ, and that it would begin to cover the earth as do the waters cover the sea. I pray for the kingdoms to become the kingdoms of our God, and your Christ, Father. And God, that you would you would reign in glory over this earth, God. God, I don't want this earth, and I don't want this these people to be handed over to the wicked one God. God I want us to all be handed over and lifted up and even caught up into that cloud of glory God. God enrapture us now God that we may live in your presence. Not that we may live in hopes that one day you would return but God that we would live in the reality that you never left us. Let your glory come Lord. Let your glory come. Let your glory let it reside in this place today. Let the fear of the Lord begin to fall and feel. Let it fall into this place and begin to feel the heart of everyone here. Let us tremble at your majesty once again, Father. Father, I know this is my prayer. And I've prayed and I'll continue to pray it, God. God, I will not cease until your glory is evident. I will not cease until we tremble again at your majesty. I will not cease, God, until I feel the freedom of your spirit will in this house, my house, all the way to the White House, Lord. Father, we pray for mercy. We pray for mercy upon those that think that it is okay and that it is the norm to sever the spinal cord of a child that can live outside the womb. I pray for mercy On those that think we have the right to make that judgment. I pray for grace, God, for those children and those infants and those souls that have been prematurely taken from us. All in the name of greed. Father, I pray, God, that you would then begin to bestow mercy upon the people of this great nation. God, that we would turn again to you, that we would humble ourselves and say we went down the wrong path and we were horrific and we were a despicable people. But God, we repent and we repent. God, have mercy on us. I pray that the, I pray that the prayers of the humiliated people will begin to be, have mercy on us, God. God, I know that no one ever prays for mercy absence the fear of the Lord. And I pray, God, is that for that that you will begin to send the fear of the Lord back into this nation. Send the fear of the Lord back into this nation that men and women would tremble again and say, have a mercy on me. God, as you have mercy, open up the eyes of those that have been darkened to the sanctity of life. Let spiritual Bartimaeuses receive received their sight, that they may see what they have caused and the havoc that they have wreaked, that they have taken the life of the innocent, that you were the one that said, I give and I take away. Let us not try to step into the role of God without the grace of the Son and the blood of the Christ being applied upon us, Father. Have mercy on us, Lord. And send us...
0: Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia, 24822. That is Tithely.ly, T-I-T-H-E. Dot L-Y. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you and all that you do today.